0: Listening to the Cue's Podcast, episode 103. It's great to be back with you today, Qs Podcast listeners, with another show. Are you listening from your home, your credit union office, from your backyard while you mow the lawn, or from your kitchen while you cook? Whatever the case, we thank you for taking Qs on the go and making the Q's podcast part of your day. As you know, this show is where you can hear credit union industry leaders and cross-industry experts provide a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. My name is Lisa Hograff, Senior Editor for Q's and our Credit Union Management Magazine. I'm so pleased to be your host today. It's a great pleasure to have Lori Madalena on today's show. Lori is the CEO of Envision Excellence, a leadership consulting firm that provides leadership development programs for managers and executives, keynote speeches, team building, and leadership assessments. Lori has been personally mentored by Jack Canfield, author of The Success Principles, and is a certified success principles trainer. She has also worked directly with Brene Brown, best-selling author and researcher, and is a certified Dare to Lead facilitator. Needless to say, Lori brings a lot of leadership expertise to the credit union world. I'm pleased to note that she writes the monthly Next Gen Know-How column for cumanagement.com. In addition, her firm, Envision Excellence, is providing the executive coaching that's part of the first ever Q's Emerge program. You can learn more about this wonderful opportunity for emerging credit union leaders at cuesemerge.com and by listening to this show. During this episode, Lori and I will be focusing on the experience of emerging leaders and how the lessons being learned by new leaders are valuable to longtime leaders who just might benefit from a refresh. Are you ready to learn more about being an effective leader? Let's get started. Welcome to the show, Lori.
1: Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm excited to be here. I'd like the
0: listeners to the show today to get to know you a little bit before we jump into talking about your ideas on leadership. Lori, do you have a quote or professional mantra that you live by that you feel comfortable sharing?
1: Sure. I have a lot of quotes that I like. One that really sticks out to me is from Zig Ziglar, and he says, it's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. And not only is that applied to my life personally, but I think that really applies to leadership where it's not just about how smart you are or how strategic you are. There's other qualities, your attitude and how you work with people that are important.
0: Expands the thinking. I like it very much. Lori, before we set up this podcast, you and I had a little conversation about your entrance to credit unions. I wondered if you would tell me a little bit about that and how you
1: fell in love with credit unions. Sure. When I first went on an interview to work at a credit union, I actually didn't know what a credit union was. I had moved from my hometown of upstate New York to Maryland, and I was working in a restaurant, and one of my colleagues worked at a credit union. And one day she told me there was a position for an assistant manager in the call center open in the credit union. And she thought I would be good for that position. I applied, and I was hired for that position. I started there my boss was actually on maternity leave. So it was kind of interesting starting when she was on maternity leave. I had a temporary boss. About three months in, I was thinking, yeah, I might stay here a year because I was really just answering calls. I wasn't doing any sort of assistant manager duties. And then she came back and things started to look differently. She got me involved in management and I was helping to manage 10 employees. I realized that I loved the, the human side, the leadership side of the business. And about a year and a half into that role, I was still at the credit union. I started taking a, a class outside of work in, in a human resources class. I approached the VP and I said to her, I, I really want to move into human resources. How do I move into your department? And she was encouraging. She was supportive. And, but she told me, you know, there's no positions available. I'm sorry. So about six months later, she called me and said, we're, we're about to post a human resources generalist position. And I know you're interested. You're going to have to apply just like everybody else. So of course I was excited. I applied for that role and she ended up hiring me for that. And she said, the reason was because I showed a lot of passion and I came to her and told her I was interested. There was actually another assistant manager who had more experience than I did. And she was with the credit union longer, but she chose me because of that. And that was a really pivotal time in my career because I was able to move into HR, which started my trajectory there. Worked really hard, was promoted a couple of times during that time. And about four years later, my boss's husband was transferred to a different state and she left the company. And about a week after my 30th birthday, I was promoted to vice president of human resources and organizational development. It was interesting because when I look back, I realize asking for what I wanted was a really important point there. I think it's an important success principle for life But I have to admit that I think I was just naive enough to think that if I went to her and told her I wanted to be in HR, she would just move me to a different department. So it wasn't conscious, but it certainly changed the the trajectory of my career.
0: Clearly, it wasn't just asking. I think you would have had the skills and the perspective to also jump into the role where they would not have selected you, right? It was a combination of factors.
1: I think that the preparation meeting opportunity, for sure, taking that class outside and really focusing on the leadership side of business certainly helped with that.
0: For sure. So talk to me a little bit about where
1: you've gone from there. What's your current role in working with credit unions? So I was at the credit union, not a year, but nine and a half years. Funny <laughs> how those things happen. Yeah, it's funny. How, I think a lot of us in credit unions find that experience where we start and think we might not be there very long and 15, 20 years later, we're still there. Nine and a half years later, I decided that I really was drawn to the organizational development and training side of leadership. And so I left the credit union and started my own business. That was 12 years ago. So now I'm a keynote speaker and leadership consultant. I work primarily with credit unions around the U.S. and I train and develop managers and leaders. My focus is really helping leaders to understand the difference between traditional management, which in most organizations is still very prevalent. And this is where people are more autocratic or more of a dictator, micromanager, or on the other side of that, maybe very nice, yet can't really instill accountability and get results. So that type of leadership isn't effective anymore. So I focus on teaching modern leadership skills, which is really about facilitating, not fixing and coaching, getting to know your employees, that human side that's so important. So my vision is to create a world where people love to come to work because not everybody loves to come to work. You know, Gallup does their state of the American workforce study every few years. And I think right now about 34% of American employees feel engaged at work. So most people don't enjoy their work. And I think a lot of that has to do with leadership, the quality of the leadership we have in our organizations.
0: So interesting. I love your vision where everyone would love to come to work. That's a fabulous outlook, yeah. something to strive for. So, Lori, you were very involved in the CUSE Emerge program that Q's just ran. I'd like to hear more about what you did in working with the candidates and the applicants for the program.
1: So we were so excited to be part of the Emerge program. It's a fantastic program. And our firm, one of my senior coaches, Sandra Long, really helped the five finalists prepare for their pitches. So the online pitches that they had to give, which were all just fantastic. Helping them prepare presentation skills and how they get stories across and how to influence in those presentations. The three finalists of the winner and the next two were just Announced, and we're excited to continue coaching with them. So, I'll be coaching Lindsay, the top winner of the Q's Emerge program, and helping them with their career growth. That's very exciting. I love how you've had your
0: own experience as a new leader going into being a VP at 30, and then you've just had this great experience with Q's Emerge. It sounds like you really know a lot about the experience that new leaders have. What would you say are some things that sometimes they struggle with?
1: Well, I think one of the fundamental issues that we have in organizations, not just in credit unions, is we often promote our technical superstars to leadership roles. We promote them for their technical expertise, not for their leadership expertise. The challenge is that then people don't feel prepared. Many times they're not given any training to feel like they can be successful in their role. I think sometimes our barista at the local Starbucks probably gets more training than leaders do. And so I think it starts at that level where a lot of leaders are coming into roles where they're not set up for success. So part of it is the, the organization's responsibility for preparing that. And then they enter into these roles where now they have to completely change how they're working. And, and many of them don't know how to do that. I know I struggled with this. When I went into HR, I was an HR generalist. A couple of years later, I was promoted to director of human resources. And a couple of months into that role, my boss called me into her office and she said, Lori, I didn't promote you for you to keep doing the things you were doing before you have two people on your team now, you need to delegate to them, and I want you focused on higher level, more strategic areas, like creating leadership development programs for our management team. And this was such great feedback. I'm so glad you gave me that feedback because up until that point, I thought the value I brought to the organization was my technical skills, the ability to process payroll, to answer benefit questions. And really now, my role shifted and now the, the competencies of leadership were more important, how I worked with people, how I delegated. So I really had to make that shift. A lot of people think the value they bring is the technical, not that uh, the leadership quality. So I think that's one piece. And then there's three things that leaders tend to really struggle with. And one is a lack of focus. So we enter into this new leadership role and we're not sure where we should focus because we haven't been trained or maybe there isn't clarity from our boss on where we should be focusing. So we either keep doing what we were doing before and try to pile on leadership responsibilities on that, or we just feel really spread thin. The second is a lack of delegation. Like I mentioned in my example, we hold on to things that we've done before. We think that our technical expertise is so important and don't always let go of things and maybe control things a little too much. So not using our team to the ability that we can be. And the third I find is a lack of team engagement. And this again goes back to perhaps not having the training to understand how to engage employees where they'll bring their best to work every day. So not jumping in and fixing all the time, which I think as leaders we've been taught to do by the traditional leaders, fix issues, get in there, get in the trenches. While there's times we need to do that, most times we should be facilitating and helping people to think critically for themselves, to solve their own problems, get to know them as employees, understand what's important to them so that we can manage them in a way that brings out their peak performance.
0: That's a great list. So how would you say new leaders can go about overcoming those kinds of challenges?
1: Well, one I think is the responsibility of the organization and the executives is to make sure we're preparing people before they even get there. Beyond that, as leaders, new leaders, is building self-awareness. So understanding your preferences and your style and how that impacts the people that you're leading and to constantly be developing yourself. I think a fallacy we have in leadership is that we work hard and we work our way up to a leadership role. And now we finally earned that and we feel like we've made it. And really, I think it's about Serving people. So, we have to change and shift that mentality that leadership is a privilege and it's a responsibility. It's not a hat we wear. True leadership is service. So, understanding that you're there to serve, the real work actually begins when you become a leader. I often say, if it weren't for the people, leadership would be easy, right? So, it's all about the people, though. So, preparing yourself to be of service to people, getting to know your employees. And as I mentioned, facilitating, not fixing. So an example of this is, let's say you have an employee come to you and they're having a challenge with someone in a different department. They have a project they're leading and this person's not cooperating or giving them something they need. A lot of leaders would jump in there and try to fix that issue and go to their counterpart, their colleague, the boss of that other person and say, hey, we're having an issue getting this information from that person. And they take the monkey on their back instead of shifting the ownership back to that employee. And so the way you do that is through coaching rather than fixing. So facilitating is about facilitating conversations with your employee. So it might sound like that employee comes to you with this issue. And instead of you taking it on yourself and fixing it, you shift the ownership by asking questions. So you might say, well, how do you think you might approach that employee? What might you say? So you're building their critical thinking skills and their problem-solving abilities, and you're giving them autonomy to really do the job the way that they were hired to, to use their experience and their expertise. You know, Lori, it sounds a lot like how I parent, interestingly
0: enough. And as my son, who's now 17, gets older and older, I find myself asking more questions and giving fewer answers on purpose. And some days that's really hard. Is it hard for leaders too? Especially new leaders, maybe because of so recently they would have just fixed it.
1: Right. Well, I can resonate with your parenting experience. I have three young kids, and it's interesting because these skills totally apply to parenting. Yet I struggle so much as a parent to ask those questions. My ego gets involved. I want to be right or I want to control the situation. I'm actually in a parenting course right now and working with a parenting coach myself to learn how to transfer these things and work differently with my kids. So it is a struggle, right? Because we often parent how we were parented. And so we think about leaders, leaders often lead how they were led. And for many of us, most of us have experienced, again, that more traditional leader, that more hands-off, autocratic, and by hands-off, I mean not engaging. They might micromanage you and micromanage your work, but they believe that You get a paycheck. I don't need to acknowledge you or appreciate you at work. It is a struggle because it's not as common, it's not as mainstream to be leading in a modern way yet. I believe we're moving in that direction. We still, though, have leaders who've been in roles for a long time who should never have been in leadership roles. I really believe not everyone's meant to be a leader. If you have some of those traditional leaders in your organization, Really giving them that training and coaching them and giving them those skills to shift their style. Hopefully, it's like learning a new language. It takes time. But for many people, that works. And if it doesn't, we really need to take a look at what we're expecting in leadership roles now. And if someone's not measuring up, to really have those conversations, those honest conversations so that we're not keeping people in roles where they can't be successful.
0: So that raises a really interesting question in my mind, which is then if that's the quote unquote experienced leader that also needs to transition to sort of modern leadership, whose job is it to help them?
1: Ultimately, ideally, it's the CEO of the organization sets the tone. Unfortunately, we we still have some CEOs who are leading in a traditional way. So I think one thing to look at is if you're a manager or a leader and you notice that your team is not engaged, or you have a lot of turnover, or you're not getting the best from your employees, look inside to yourself and think about, how am I leading? Am I more of that traditional manager who's just giving tasks and telling people what to do? My first experience as a supervisor was right out of college, and I was working for an insurance company. And about a year into that role, I was told that they would be hiring an employee who would report to me. And I had no leadership training. And so I thought my job was to give her instructions, tell her what to do and answer her questions. I wasn't the worst leader in the world, yet I wasn't an engaging, supportive coach who was developing and creating a career path for her. And this is over 25 years ago. So back then that wasn't really as important or maybe not as important, but it wasn't a big focus in organizations. Now I think things have certainly changed. They've evolved so much over the past 25, 30 years. People have different expectations at work. They don't want to just come in and, and punch a clock. They want it to have meaning. They want to feel like they're contributing to something. Some different benefits might be important to them than the traditional benefits of staying in an organization for 30 years and collecting their gold watch. We have to shift. The cultures have shifted. Our society has shifted shifted and leaders need to shift. So if you don't have a manager who's supporting you in that, I encourage people to go out and read books and study and start to understand more about what modern leadership is now so that they can apply that into their positions.
0: I love it. And let's take it one step farther. If it's the CEO that needs to make the transition, then it really falls to the board to help to set the pathway, right?
1: Absolutely. The board can play a really big role in that, in supporting a CEO to create more of that engaging culture. So I think a way that the board can do that is asking questions about the culture and understanding what the philosophy is of the CEO and the importance. And if they're starting to notice it's more of that traditional and they're not talking about things like making sure people have career paths and that they're developed and they're not talking about a coaching culture ask those questions How do we start to create that more in our credit union? How can we make sure that we're retaining top talent? What's important right now for us to be able to attract the best talent to our credit union? So the board can certainly play a role in facilitating that. Fabulous.
0: Since you're an expert on leadership, Laurie, I'd like to take a minute and get your take on leaders needing to be good facilitators and not fixers in light of the pandemic and all the related economic uncertainty. How is leadership the same? How is facilitating different during a crisis?
1: Leadership is never more important than it is right now. During a a crisis of pandemic, communication and engagement are important, making sure that people understand the path of the credit union, where you're going, and that you care about them and their life. There's a lot of stress for people right now. So empathy and flexibility are needed more now than ever in leadership. Some things are just as important. Like leadership skills, we need active leadership. So we can't hide behind our laptops. I know a lot of credit unions right now probably still have a a lot of their staff working remotely and some of their staff might be in the branches And there's this tendency, especially if you have some traditional leaders, to hide behind the computer or put their head down and focus on the technical work and not reach out to their employees. It takes more energy and effort in this environment. Whereas when we're all in person, it's easy to stop by an employee's desk and check in or you're walking down the hall and see a colleague and just check in for a couple of minutes. We've lost that ability in this environment if you're working remotely. So it takes more active leadership, meaning reaching out, checking in. I believe it's so important right now for us to check in individually with each of our direct reports and understand how this pandemic is impacting them personally. And just have a conversation with them regularly because people are very stressed. I mean, depending on their situation, I know a lot of people have young kids at home I have three young kids, and I know the beginning of this pandemic was extremely stressful trying to homeschool them, get them on Zoom calls while my husband and I were both working full time. So some people are in that position. Understanding and just showing that human side of leadership, I think, is is so important. So it's going to take more energy and effort. And I would suggest for executive leaders to make sure that that's a, a focus for their entire management team, that they're encouraging people to make sure that they're reaching out, connecting and supporting their employees as best as they can.
0: I have to say I've telecommuted for more than 20 years now and I really appreciated the weekly check-in that I have had with my supervisors during those years. Every week it was sort of an anchor point, a bright spot, a time I knew I could bring up a concern or that you just sort of made, made small talk because that was the human connection and it was so
1: important and so valuable. Those structures, I think, are so important that a small structure, like a weekly meeting, you may feel like, well, I have so much going on, I don't have time for that. Yet again, this goes back to that leadership side, not technical side. Our job as leaders is to focus on the people and facilitate the people side of the business. The technical side will get done, but the people are who put their effort in to get the results. So we need to make sure that's a big focus.
0: So as you look across the industry right now at leaders that you've worked with or leaders that you talk with at events, how optimistic do you feel about the readiness of credit union leaders to facilitate staff success and organizational success right now as we continue through this COVID-19 pandemic? And what would you say is one thing credit union leaders could do to boost the chances of success?
1: Some organizations are doing this really well if they're progressive and they have more of those modern leaders for example i have a client she was telling me that during this pandemic she feels like her team is actually more engaged because she's instituted a couple of practices that she wasn't doing in an in-person environment in the office so for example when she would have her regular check-ins with her employees and find out, just ask them about their personal life. And she said, you know, I didn't do as much of that in the office, so I'm learning more about them now than I did before. And she also started instituting mini team buildings in the beginning of each of her team meetings. And she said that was really fostering a sense of engagement. And she said in the office, we would just get into a meeting and get down to work, we get down to business, we wouldn't take that time. So in her case, she said, I'm really getting to know my employees better and I'm seeing a real positive difference in the engagement of my team by taking those actions. I feel confident in organizations and credit unions that are more modern and see that as important. Some of them don't see that as important. So I think one of the biggest things again that we as leaders can underscore right now during this pandemic is to practice active leadership. Leadership is not a hat, it's not a role we wear, it's an action. And those small leadership actions make a difference. So reaching out to the team, checking in, sending a card in the mail, a gift card. It's really about how people feel appreciated. These are some of the top reasons people leave organizations. They don't feel acknowledged and appreciated for their work. They don't feel like they're getting the career development, that they have a career path. And they don't feel like they're getting meaningful feedback and coaching to improve in their jobs. These are all things that leaders can take care of and can facilitate. So if we're showing active leadership and focusing on those things, we will make it through this pandemic, our employees will be resilient and we'll come out fine on the other side. I like that
0: idea of leadership helping us come out fine on the other side of these unprecedented times. Lori, is there anything I haven't asked you about today that you'd like to tell our listeners?
1: Modeling leadership is a really important piece of being effective and successful in a leadership role. The small things that we do or don't do as leaders can really impact our team. So for example, if we don't answer emails in a timely manner, we don't do our performance evaluations on time, we consistently show up late to meetings these small things impact how our teams view us and how we communicate with them. I'll share a personal story of how this has worked in my life. I mentioned we have three small kids and a couple of years ago, my husband and I were talking about the qualities that we wanna pass on to our children. The typical things like being honest and kind and grateful, confident, having a good work ethic, those things all made the list. And we started talking about habits. What are some habits that we can instill in our children at a young age that can help them and set them up for success as they grow into young adults and adulthood? And my husband, Reno, said, I think we should start having our oldest daughter, Olivia, making her bed every morning. This is a small win every day of her taking care of her environment, of making sure that She keeps her space clean, and it also just sets her up for success. It's a small thing to start your day, to feel like you're in control and you set yourself up for success. And I said, yeah, I I really like that idea, but don't you think we should start making our bed first? So we hadn't been making our bed, and and you have kids, so you know that if you ask a child to do something that you're not doing, they're not going to do it. So people don't follow what you say, they follow what you do and this is so important for leadership, that it's not what we say. It's not the values on the wall that matter. It's not what we preach to our employees. It's how we show up every day. It's the actions that we take. And so if we have expectations for our employees and we're not following through on those expectations, we're not gonna instill a team that has accountability themselves. We all have these things. None of us are perfect. So I encourage people to look at What are the small things I do or don't do that can contribute to chipping away at that trust and integrity? And the last thing I would say is to remember to focus on your great employees, your top performers. I think sometimes we spend a lot of energy and time on our struggling employees or the low performers and perhaps don't take action on that as quickly as we should. And again, the traditional leader tends to put that on the back burner and not have those honest conversations, which is important. Our top employees are 400% more productive than our average employees. So we really wanna make sure we're investing energy and time to keeping them feeling engaged at work and, and making sure we're keeping our best people.
0: Laurie, right, what an amazing set of great thoughts about leadership, about being a facilitator and not a fixer, about leadership being about action. I love that idea. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you, Lisa. I've
0: enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the Q's podcast. The show is now more than 100 episodes strong thanks to people like you, dedicated credit union professionals who make learning and developing part of your everyday habit. Many thanks to Lori for being our guest today and for her firm's important contributions to the Q's Emerge program. You can find Envision Excellence on the web at envisionexcellence.net. You can find Lori's many solid content contributions for the Q's audience by searching for Madalena. that's M-A-D-D-A-L-E-N-A, at cumanagement.com. You can get additional credit union-specific content when you visit cumanagement.com. If you're interested in diversity, equity, and inclusion, please click on the orange banner at the top of that page. If you liked this podcast, you would also like hearing the highly rated speakers who will be part of our Knowledge and Networking November and our Directors and Dialogue December online events. To learn more about these offerings and how one registration serves many at your credit union, Please visit Qs.org slash KNN and Qs.org slash DDD. If you're a Qs member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development. Many of these are available virtually. Visit Qs.org slash membership to learn more. Thanks again for listening today. Qs is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, executives, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Q's can help you realize your potential, visit qs.org today.